Thanks for listening. The following audio is a teaching from Calvary Tucson's Young Adult Ministry, Ignition. For more teachings, information, or if you'd like to support our ministry, please visit us online at ignitiontucson.com. We pray you're blessed by the message. Father, we do thank you so much for your unfailing love in our lives. We thank you that we can trust you in all circumstances, in every direction that you take us, Lord God, in in the new seasons, uh, Lord, and in the mundane where it feels like nothing changes. You're in both of those seasons, God, and you're at work. We know that you're here in the midst of us tonight, Lord. This evening is your design. This evening was your idea, and this church service was your idea. And so we come anticipating what you have for us as we look to the pages of the Scriptures, Lord God, and in Genesis 43. So we ask that you would help us, empower us to be effective disciples and grow in the likeness of Christ tonight as we look to this chapter. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, we are currently in the life of Joseph. Last week, we saw Joseph's dream finally come true when all of his brothers bow down before him because they're starving. There's a famine in the land, and they, had, they were forced to go to Egypt, forced to go to Joseph and, and buy grain for their survival. So there they are bowing down before Joseph. It took 20 years for that dream to be fulfilled, to finally come to pass. And in that setting, he was able to see their remorse for their offenses against him. They sold him into slavery. They threw him in a pit. They were going to kill him first. And then they said, why don't we make a little money off of this and sell him into slavery and God's hand was on it and sent him to Egypt. And 20 years later, he sees his brothers now before him, brokenhearted, at least afraid, understanding that God is bringing around uh, what they dished out to Joseph and showing remorse. And we saw him get emotional in that moment. He broke down. He started crying. He had to get away from his brothers because he saw their guilt of what they did to him. And so he still at that point needed to know where's, my, where's my, my full brother? Where's Benjamin? Have they abandoned Benjamin or sold a Benjamin like they, like they treated me as father's favorite kid? He had to know before he could be reconciled to them. And so poor Simeon gets thrown into jail and he says, I'm going to hold on to Simeon. You guys go back and get Benjamin. Bring him here to me and prove to me that that he is still alive. Of course, they don't know at this point Joseph is who he is. They think he's a high Egyptian official and they're terrified. And so they they leave. They end up finding their silver in their sacks uh, thinking they didn't even pay for the grain. And as they show up, they realize, man, Simeon is as good as gone, but we have to go back with Benjamin or we can't go back at all. But as things develop, um, This is probably months later. I mean, all the grain that they brought back from Egypt is now gone. They've eaten through all the cornflakes, the the bottom of the cornflakes boxes, all just the crumbs now. And they're starting to get a little nervous, thinking they might have to go back and do another Costco run uh, in Egypt, right? And that's where we pick it up here in, in verse 1 here of chapter 43. It says, Now the famine was severe in the land. So when they had eaten all the grain they had, bought, they had brought from Egypt, their father said to them, go back and buy us a little more food. So as I said, initially they thought, well, we can't go back. We didn't even pay for that grain. 
they're going to think we stole and they're going to kill us. But now they, they realize, well, we're going to starve if we don't go back. So jo- Jacob is now like, it's worth the risk, guys. It's worth the risk. You, can, you guys can go back. It's not worth the risk for Benjamin, but I don't mind risking you guys. Go ahead. You guys see if you can bring a little more cereal back, you know. Um, and Judah reminds him, look, we can't go back without Benjamin. Verse 3, Judah said to him, the man warned us solemnly, you will not see my face again unless your brother is with you. If you will send our brother along with us, we will go down and buy food for you. But if you will not send him, we will not go down because the man said to us, you will not see my face again unless your brother is with you. So they're in a really tough spot here. Judah's like, look, if we go down to Egypt, there is the risk of us being called thieves and they'll kill us all. But maybe we can like explain to them there was a misunderstanding. If we go down without Benjamin, we're certainly dead. And we're not going to get any grain. And of course, if they don't go at all, they're all going to starve. So it just does not look good for Jacob wanting to keep Benjamin safe. Verse 6, Why did you bring this trouble on me? By telling the man you had another brother. They replied, The man questioned us closely about ourselves and our family. Is your father still living? He asked. Do you have another brother? And we simply answered his questions. How are we to know? He would say, bring them down here. Bring your brother here. He's like, it's not my fault. He's just asking me questions and I didn't want to lie to this guy. And how did I know he would ask me to bring, bring Benjamin? But you see what Jacob's doing here is as he's processing this predicament they're in, he's starting to play the what if game. Do you know what that game is? You guys play the what if game? Man, if, the, the, I'm sorry, the if only game. The if only, it's the, that was the wrong game. The what-if game is a good game, too. But the if-only the if game is what Jacob plays here. He's like, if only you didn't say anything about Benjamin. If only there wasn't a famine going on right now. If only Jake, or Joseph didn't die. You know, all these if-onlys in Jacob's life. But what seemed like mistakes and misfortune, misfortunes that Jacob is trying to reconcile in his head, they were all actually... God's direction for him. They were actually events God allowed in his direction of their family. He's caught up in, man, if only this stuff wouldn't happen. If only life was a little easier. If only the Christian walk was a little simpler. God, if only I didn't say that thing. If only I didn't do this thing over here. All these if onlys. But from our vantage point, looking at the scriptures, the full story, we know God is... God is behind all of these difficulties. He's behind the misunderstanding of the silver in their satchels. He's behind the, the fact of Benjamin uh, being made aware of to, this, to, to Joseph. He's, he's behind all of this. But from Jacob's perspective, it's difficult. So he gets into this mindset, man, if only this, this stuff wouldn't happen to me. This morning I was backing out of my garage and, uh, you know, starting the day off great, all chipper, I had my coffee. As I'm backing out, I was a little too close to the cabinets, and it just totally ripped my side mirror off. It's actually, you can see my car, it's taped on out, out there, my passenger side mirror. It's, and I was like, I was so frustrated, because I'm like, there's 200 bucks, easy, you know. Out the door, and I start doing the if only game. Man, if only we didn't have these stupid cabinets in here, and I had room. To park my car, you know, if only I had a smaller, if only I had a teleportation device 
where I didn't have to drive a car, you know, all these if onlys. And, and you know, that thought dawned on me, like, even, even this is something that God will orchestrate. Just because it's frustrating in the moment doesn't mean it's not something God will orchestrate for my good. God is, in, God is even in these little minuscule, frustrating things that happen in life, God is in them. I mean, not to over-spiritualize, it's not like God is, is, is telling me, like, Sean, your life is like your garage. And you need a little more space in your garage. You need more room in your life. Otherwise, you won't see clearly in the past. Your proverbial rearview mirror of life is going to be... It's not like that. It's not like over-spiritualizing uh, over these things. But it's like he can, he can take something little like that and know, hey, I, I, I want to make things a little tighter financially for Sean this month. It'll be good for him. I want, I want him to be a little disheveled this morning because I'll use it in his relationship somehow. Or maybe he'll put this in a sermon illustration. You know? It's like I can trust, I can trust God even with things like that. Obviously, theirs is a little bit more dire, their situation here, uh, than their lives are at stake. So definitely hard to compare the two. Um, nevertheless, I want to ask you, what, you know, what accidents have happened in your life? What misfortunes do you find yourself hung up on? Maybe, maybe it was a, a mistake that you made. Maybe it was a decision someone else made. And you're just hung up on it. You're like, if only that wouldn't happen. If only they didn't do that. If only this didn't happen. Well, I want to encourage you guys, leave those things in the past. It's, it's not going to help you to play the if only game. I guess the what-if game is kind of like that too. What if it didn't happen? I guess they're similar games. But it's not going to benefit you to dwell on what happened in the past. Because we can move forward. We can trust that God is going to use all the predicaments, all of the less-than-ideal circumstances to work in our lives. He, he intends to use these things. So let's, let's move forward in confidence. Let's just tape up that, that mirror of, of misfortune in your life, just tape it back on. It looks kind of ghetto, I know. And let's drive to work. Let's move on, okay? Jacob thinks he's stuck between a rock and a hard place, but he's actually, guys, on the precipice of God doing something amazing. Verse 8. Then Jacob said to Israel, his father, send the boy along with me and we will go at once so that we and you and our children may live and not die. It's like if, if we don't go, we're all going to die including Benjamin. Verse 9, I myself will guarantee his safety. You can hold me personally responsible for him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him here before you, I will bear the blame before you all my life. As it is, if we had not delayed, we could have gone and returned twice. I could have gone to Costco and back twice by now, Dad, if you, wouldn't, if you weren't so freaked out. But you know, Jacob is not interested really in anyone taking responsibility for Benjamin. Jacob just wants Benjamin to be safe. That's his big concern here. But there's, they're, they're clearly at a point where they will starve as a family. You know, and, and it becomes clear to, to Jacob there's no other option. There's just no way around me keeping Benjamin safe and everyone surviving. And, and he knows he's got to let go. It's, kinda, it's a bit of a Mount Moriah moment for Jacob here. A little different but kind of similar in that Jacob is now being called to let go of his beloved son. He's having to let go of this son that he's probably been overprotective of the last 20 years since Joseph disappeared. 
And sadly, it's, it's easy for him to let go of his other sons. Right? You guys go on, and go on ahead and, and see how that guy treats you. And you tell Simeon hi for, for me uh, if, he's, if he's still alive. But God has orchestrated this moment and these circumstances to require Jacob to let go of Benjamin. God has orchestrated it to be hard for Jacob so that he will let go of the thing he's clinging to. And this is really what a true test of faith often looks like. You know, there are things in our life that, like, it's easy, easy come, easy go. Oh, yeah, I'll give the Lord that. I'll give the Lord, you know, a, a tenner, a $5 bill here. I'll give the Lord, you know, junk for, those junk for Jesus cars. This has been sitting on my lot for, I'm sick of looking at it. I'll give, I'll give the Lord that. But to actually, to actually give the Lord something of great value, not just of great value, but something that you love dearly, something that you cherish, in order that you may trust God. That's a real act of faith. That is a real test of faith. There are good things in life that God has blessed us with. And there may come a time in your life when God will call you to let go of that thing so that you may reprioritize your love for God above your love for the things that He's given you. Be it relationships, be it monetary blessings, cars, money, be it a job at an awesome church with a great church family that I love, you know? There comes times in our lives where God says, can you let go of this thing and trust me? And Jacob is, is, is stuck in this predicament and he's forced to let go of Benjamin. I hope that you don't get forced in situations like this. I hope that you recognize it and you willingly let go because it's a lot easier. But Jacob's arm is twisted here. But we remember Jacob. He's not one to sit back and leave things to chance either, is he? he we looked at how he's a man of action. He's always like, okay, coming up with the plan. He's a schemer. He's a surplanter. That's what his name means. And he has experience dealing with selfish people, greedy people. Remember Laban? Remember Esau? And Jacob came out on top with both of those guys. So let's see what plan, what scheme he comes up with here. Verse 11, it says, Then their father Israel said to them, If it must be, then do this. Put some of the best products of the land in your bags and take them down to the man as a gift. A little balm, a little honey, some spices and myrrh, some pistachio nuts and almonds. I'm surprised they didn't put in like the Dead Sea salt. That's really popular from Israel. Some little crosses made out of olive wood. It's a big export. Um, Verse 12, he says, Take double the amount of silver with you, for you must return the silver that was put back into the mouths of your sacks. Perhaps it was a mistake. So notice, he's he's given them gifts to take to, to this Egyptian ruler, and he loads them up with pistachios and almonds, and they had honey, but they needed grain to survive. You got that? So... What, what this is telling us is paleo and gluten-free diets are not biblical, is what this is saying. They're probably demonic. That's what I think. That's just the pastor's opinion. I'm just, of course, I'm kidding. But, uh, but they're like, hey, we're going to need grain if we're going to want to survive. We can't, this almond flour is just not doing it for my cookie recipe. 
So they're like, we need, you know, take, take these gifts, go on down there. Um, one of Jacob's favorite Proverbs, if Proverbs was around, it, it was written after Jacob's son, but if it was around, his, one of his favorite verses would be 21.14 in Proverbs, which says, a gift given in secret pacifies strong wrath. Like, that was Jacob's thing. He, he lived that proverb. Oh, he's, is that guy mad? Go give him a gift. He'll like that. <laughs> he, tried it, he tried it with Esau, but he didn't need to because God already went before him and took care of it all. He's going to try it here, and guess what? He's going to find out the Lord has already gone before him, and he's taking care of it all. Verse 13, Take your brother also, and go back to the man at once. And may God Almighty grant you mercy before the man, so that he will let, let your other brother and Benjamin come back with you. As for me, he says, if I am bereaved, I am bereaved. Now, some people will read and, and teach that and say, he's just going back to his pessimistic ways here. You know, Mr. Eeyore. And there is a sense where he's, he's just, you know, very, very pessimistic with this. But, but there's also a sense where it's like he's accepting the worst case scenario from God. He's realizing, like, there's no way around this. Therefore, God has me in this. Therefore, if I am bereaved, I am bereaved. If, if the worst case scenario happens, so be it. God is in it. And I believe this is a really, this is an act of faith. I love what Matthew Henry said in his commentary about this. He said, it is our wisdom to reconcile ourselves to the sorest afflictions and make, a, and make the best of them. For there is nothing got by striving with our maker. He's like from way back in the day, if you couldn't tell with, with the way he speaks. But he says, the best thing for us, it is wise for us to prepare ourselves for the sorest of afflictions. And I believe that's true. I believe in our lives, even when things are good, to not be pessimistic, but to prepare your soul to trust in the Lord in every circumstance. The worst case scenario happens to you this week. What just popped into your head? To be able to say, even if that happens, Lord, I, I trust you. If I am bereaved, I am bereaved, but I trust you, Lord. To say like Job said, though he slay me, yet I will praise him. Right? And I believe that that's, there's depth of faith in, in the statement here of Jacob. Verse 15, it says, So the men took the gifts and doubled the amount of silver. And Benjamin also. And they hurried down to Egypt and presented themselves to Joseph. And when Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of the house, Take these men to my house, slaughter an animal, and prepare a meal. They are to eat with me at noon. So we've, we've seen a lot of typologies in Joseph's life about Christ. We've touched on them quite a bit. But there's also a typology in Benjamin's story here. As far as foreshadowing Jesus, foreshadowing the Christ. Notice, guys, their reconciliation to Joseph was contingent upon their relationship with Benjamin. Joseph is watching as they're coming in, and he's looking. Is Benjamin with them? Is he here? He's here. And then he says, hey, prepare the feast. Prepare the feast for these guys. We're going we're to party. We're going to enjoy each other and enjoy, enjoy the company. If Benjamin was rejected by the brothers, 
like Joseph was cast out, if they had denied that they had another brother, if they denied Benjamin altogether, they would not have been reconciled to Joseph and they would not have been saved. The brothers brought money, they brought food, they brought other gifts for Joseph, but it was Benjamin's presence that assured their salvation before Joseph. It was their relationship to Benjamin that saved them. And guys, the same is true about Jesus. And we might think, you might be one of those people who thinks, man, I'm, I'm, a, good, I'm a good guy. I'm a good person. I'm going to do a lot of good things. I'm going to be nice to people. I'll give money to the poor. I'll, I'll donate money to church. You know, and then God will forgive me because my good will outweigh my bad because I've, I've appeased God with some gift. I've brought something before Him. But let me tell you guys, God has not asked for any of those things. God has not asked for good deeds in order for you to be reconciled to Him. He's not asked for your money to buy your way into heaven. He hasn't even asked for pistachios. None of these things will help you on judgment day. When you stand before the Lord, when I stand before the Lord, there's nothing I can, there are no pouches I could bring to the Lord and say, I did all these things, can you forgive me? None of that will matter. The deciding factor for your reconciliation and mine with the Lord will be whether or not we had Jesus with us. The deciding factor will be whether or not we had a relationship with Jesus. Do you really know Him? Or do you just pretend? And I think we all need to ask ourselves that question because we might be so good at pretending that we've believed it. But there, there is a class of people in Scripture where Jesus said, in that day, they will say to me, Lord, Lord. In what day? In, in Judgment Day. They'll say, Lord. And He'll say, I never knew You. May that not be of us. May, may we be those who truly have a relationship with Jesus. May we not be playing games. May we not be pretending. May we really allow Him into our hearts, into our lives. Be transparent. Talk to Him every day. Let Him in. May, may, God truly, may Jesus truly know us. That is my prayer too. Because I can say all day long, I know Jesus. I read about Him. I talk to Him sometimes. But Jesus said, I never knew you. I find myself praying that prayer. Lord, know me. Lord, I lay my heart over, open before you. I lay my life open before you. Know, please know me. I receive you. And it's not this, this idea of getting re-saved, but it's making sure that you are in a healthy relationship with Christ. Hey everyone, Pastor Sean here. You've been listening to a teaching from Ignition Tucson, the Young Adults Ministry of Calvary Tucson. Our hope is that through this ministry, your heart would be ignited to live boldly for Christ. If you live in the greater Tucson area and you're between the ages of 18 and 28, we want to invite you out to join us in person. We meet every Thursday at 6.30 p.m. at Calvary Tucson's East Campus on Speedway in Camino Seco. We hope to see you there. God bless.